If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing, and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188 or text DANA to 9 Nine nine eight eight nine nine. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. Do you think that the Senate should eliminate the filibuster to codify Roe versus Wade into law? Would you support that? I would support lifting it for Roe v. Wade. I would support lifting it for voting rights. These are constitutional issues. I believe, and I've said this very consistently, that when we are talking about fundamental protections that should be accorded to every citizen in our country, then the filibuster is wrong. That's Stacey Abrams. A big surprise, huh? Wanting, she's wanting to expand the size of the, of the Supreme Court. Welcome to the Dana Show. Happy Monday, amigo. I'm Sergio Sanchez, in for my friend Dana. Finally, I made made it on the show. My goodness, I decided to go on vacation week before last. And man, on the way back from Florida, um, I know my kid must have licked like one of the turnstiles or something. He picked up the flu and then wanted give giving it to me <laughs> right before. I had a chance to come in for Dana last Monday. Thanks to all the team. Appreciate the call uh, for today. Man, we got lots of stuff to talk about today. We're broadcasting the Dana Show from Texas, Blessed Soil. Number one, it's USA, USA. And it's Texas, Blessed Soil. And it's Deep South Texas, the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, studio of KURV Talk Radio, proud Dana affiliate. Yeah, this is where Elon Musk... Our new conservative Republican buddy. He still likes uh, a lot of subsidies, though. But this is his home. Yeah, Brownsville, Texas. Yeah, we got a little spaceport right here at the beach. Yeah, that's where we're broadcasting the Dana Show today. Appreciate you sticking around. Oh, and if at any point you want to say hello, I've been using uh, the Twitter a little bit more of late. Got my butt booted from Facebook the other day. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what I, what I posted. I just reposted a little joke. Um, somebody's got their panties all in a wide. So I'll, I'll tell you about the Facebook thing. But if you want to say hello, it's on the Twitter thing, at Sergio Talk. That's at Sergio Talk. Yeah, high court decision a moment back. And, man, I, all these lefties. Man, they're yelling, screaming like banshees these days. So that was Stacey Abrams at the beginning of the program. Lift the filibuster, she said. We no longer need, you know, at this moment, the way the Senate is made up 50-50. We don't need 50 Democrats and 10. We just need a majority vote. Just straight up 51 to 49 is all we need for anything, everything. Careful what you wish for, Miss Abrams. And, of course, that's, you know, no surprise. That's 
that's what you get from the political left. They don't get what they want on the political left. I mean, take it back decades and decades and and decades. Whatever it is, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back on the West Coast on gay marriage issues, for example, Ooh, 30 plus years ago, voters deciding, you know, giving thumbs down on that. Oh no, you got to go. Let's go to the let's go to the courts and fight this thing eventually. A lot using the courts to go against whatever the, the voters had to say. That that's the way they operate on the left. They don't get what they want. Use the courts. You know, try to bend the courts as as much as possible to whatever to hell what the voters say. We're going to get what we want through the court system, or as you know, as we saw during the Trump administration, Hillary Clinton loses the election. Or speaking of losers, Stacey Abrams loses the gubernatorial race. Oh, she's trying to delegitimize. You know, she she's the one. She won. She didn't lose the election. You know, you know she. <laughs> sounded very similar to a former ex-president that we had, right? No, it's it's a rigged election, botched election. Oh, all these. Now, Stacey Abrams, Hillary Clinton wins. Uh, Hillary Clinton loses the election, loses the electoral system that we have. Oh no, we got to change that. We got to change the rules. Got to change the constitution. Got the way. Got to change the way we do elections in this country. Because you know, I won the majority vote. I got I got more votes than anybody. There's more people in California, more people in in New York voted for me. Well, I wound up getting more more voters than Donald Trump. Oh, I won the election. I, I won the popular vote. So we got to change the electoral system in this country. Never happy on the left. If the voters speak, if the voters follow the rules to the the best that we can, they're all imperfect. We do have very imperfect voting systems all across the land. And they need to be corrected at the local level, state level, and county level. But if they don't get what they want on the left, either take it to court, just bind it up, tackle it, delay it all in court, or as we saw Hillary Clinton and all her Democrat operatives, her party funding all these lies of Russia, Russia, Russia collusion thing, delegitimize President Trump, delegitimize. The office holder, and if, and if they don't get what they want there, then what do you do? Well, we saw this in in the summer of 2020. Riot, destroy, kill, or or threaten physical violence. Right? That's that's what all we've been hearing the past several days when it comes to the high court. You know these dealers. You know this court is not legitimate. It's Donald Trump who st who stole. They can't say he stole the election. Is that you know they went through the the, the process up in D.C. to make sure everybody understand the whole Russia thing was a hoax. Oh, but you know, they they try to delegitimize the court because well it doesn't suit their political narrative. They don't like the results that they get. Which of, of late, this is a more original minded. High court. This is a court that respects liberty. This is a court that respects your right to defend yourself. This is a court that respects life. Yeah, like mm, the Constitution preamble in the Constitution. Hmm. They don't like that. Uh, they want so-called progress, which is really the deconstruction of Western civilization and the destruction of the. Um, speaking of, of, of violence. Um, The online, the online 
post things like on Facebook and and Twitter. I was like, it's it's just for entertainment purpose. It it doesn't make a hill of beans difference what you post on Facebook. But I just I find it so comical that the the, the so called fact checkers, all these ninnies that they're on the Facebook payroll. And taking little complaints from somebody got butt hurt, and usually my understanding of this, correct me if I'm wrong, it's at uh, Sergio Talk is uh, on the Twitter thing. If you want to say hi on on Twitter, but let's say you know, for example, I, I got a couple accounts on on the Facebook thing, and somebody in the five thousand person batch and. And one page, I got another batch of 2,500 people, and then there's a profile thing. And I, I, I just, it, it's amazing how much time I know you go, I go back just to check the feed, check the funnies. It's, it's, uh, it's junk food. It's, it's mental junk food. Basically, that's what Facebook is. I, and sadly, for too many people. It's also the news feed for for everyone. Uh, let me take, tell you why I check Facebook. I, I check Facebook for funny memes that I love sharing. Uh, I love some of, especially the, the dad memes. Uh, every now and then a little bit of news will trickle in and eh, it, Twitter is the one that gives me the heads up on the news trend. And I check the Facebook thing for Astros videos. Houston Astros videos. Highlights. Home runs. Like uh, the Yankees' daddy, Jose Altuve, hitting, like, first pitch home run again against the Yankees. Like uh, the Astros no-hitting the the Yankees twice. The only team to no-hit the Yankees twice, I think, since the late 50s, the Astros. And I see all those. I love that. I share that as well. But somewhere behind the scenes, some – I – this is just me. I'm just throwing – I'm just throwing spitballs out there. Some gender – confused young person with very thick glasses maybe living in mama's basement somewhere because I don't think they need to go work at what do they call themselves Meta or Facebook getting all bent out of shape because somebody in my 5,000 person batch of so-called friends I got a bunch of lefties there too somebody got all butthurt because well we are now moving toward a culture of life in this country. Roe v. Wade is dead, which, by the way, I never thought, seriously, I never thought in my lifetime I'd be saying Roe v. Wade is dead. Bad law is dead. All these legal contortions that they went through to create this so-called constitutional right to kill an unborn child is dead. Roe, abortion has an end. Abortion is alive and well across the land. California, New York, Colorado, of all places. We got a new abortion industry growing as a result of that. But the lines have been drawn. It's back to states to determine uh, what is life. And this uh, Roe v. Wade thing is that, oh, they get all buttered because of that. Somebody, I know somebody narked on me. <laughs> I put a little, I shared on Facebook, I shared a little. A picture, a cartoon. I don't know if you watch social media stuff on Facebook and Twitter, you see it's this cartoon character has two buttons in front of him, right? One is uh, might be a more uh, liberty minded button. Uh, the other button will be a more a lefty, you know, um, a, a socialist status type of button. Whatever. It's, it's two, uh, two issues, divergent issues. 
this one was the cartoon of this little finger pointing at the two buttons. Okay, on the left was, uh, what was it on the left? It was January 6th was terrorism. January 6th, J6, was an act of terrorism. That was the one on the left. And then the cartoon character has to decide between punching the, the red button on the left, which January 6th was an act of terrorism, or the one on the right that was because of the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. Bad law is done. Bye-bye, Roe v. Wade. Bye-bye. The right button for the cartoon character was burn down the Supreme Court this weekend. And where did that come from? From the left itself. From these... Uh, these uh, abortion defenders, uh, the organization, I even forget the names of them, uh, they're promising violence across the country. I didn't create, I'm not advocating for violence. Oh, no, but somebody in my 5,000-person batch, some lefty probably get bent all out of shape because, well, Roe v. Wade is dead. That's a fact. You can, you can raise your both little fingers as much as you want. You can... Cry and complain all you want. Roe v. Wade is dead. Somebody got all butthurt and reported me to, to Facebook, to the Facebook police three days without being able to able to post any of my Astros videos. That's that's my latest adventure and uh, adventure with Facebook. Anyway, I got a, a big old pile of stuff here on on abortion. I, I want you to stick around because one of the conversations I, I want to share with you is a friend I made a few days back as we were we knew it was coming the decision on on abortion the decision on Roe v Wade specifically Terry Beatley with Hosea Initiative what if we've been wrong is she's the author of that Terry Beatley has been on the front lines of championing life defending undelivered children trying to bring an end to infanticide, the murder of all these timelines, of all these lifelines, all these individuals. Don't forget, amigo, you and I, we were all there at one point after that spark of love between your mama and your papa, and that's what it took, a mama and a papa, a spark of life. You were there once, and you had your path, and now here you are listening to the radio, listening to The Dana Show with me. Free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment. Across the country, your constitutional rights are under constant attack, and it's only getting worse by the day, which is why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile. They're not just America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They're one of the few companies fighting back. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers, so you get the same great service plus the peace of mind that your money is combating, the left's attempt to silence you. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer service. Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, our veteran and first responder heroes. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT and get free activation with offer code Dana. Veterans and first responders save even more, so switch today. Between the left, the media, and rhinos, we need to stick together. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. From South Texas, you're tuning in to The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. Appreciate you joining us on this Monday. Uh, in, in all my bluster and just yapping away about stuff, big decision out of the court today. You can, let's say, you're on the public payroll, you're on public land, you can pray. 15 seconds, you want to take a knee, pray, say thank you, Lord, for another good game, you can pray. 
I'll talk a bit more about that in just a little bit. Well, if uh, you'd like to say hi, it's at Sergio Talk on Twitter, at Sergio Talk on Twitter, at Sergio Talk on Twitter. Stick around for conversations I want to share with you, including Elizabeth Gianone. She's with the GOP office in Michigan. Got to get rid of that witch Whitmer up in Michigan. Come on, Michigan. America's rooting for you. That's one of the conversations coming up in just a little bit here on The Dana Show. Let's get some headlines. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Let's see what's here. Costco being sued by some shareholders for alleged inhumane conditions uh, and how it takes care of its chicken. They're going to wind up being $5 rotisserie chickens anyway. My goodness. So the the lawsuit against Costco that they, quote, knowingly violate Nebraska and Iowa law allowing inhumane treatment of the chickens. All right. Cargo plane carrying 150,000 pounds of baby formula. Welcome to the big airport in Houston this past weekend. 100 pallets of, of formula flown in from Germany trying to help with the, the shortage. So the embarrassing shortage, may I add, it's embarrassing that our country continues to see this. And solar-powered patio umbrellas sold exclusively at Costco have been recalled in the U.S. and Canada after some of these umbrellas caught fire. Yikes! From South Texas, you're in tune with The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. It's getting hot outside, mostly from all the grills firing up. Summer grilling is upon us, and if you're looking for the perfect cuts to put on your grill this year, look no further than Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers is the place to get 100% American meat this summer. I love how easy it is to get all my favorite cuts of beef, chicken, and even seafood shipped right to my door. With meat prices higher than ever, Good Ranchers is giving you free steaks. That's right, free steaks. So right now, get two free 18-ounce prime center cut ribeyes with my code Dana. That's a $100 offer free to you. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana for over two pounds of free ribeye steaks added to your order at no cost to you. This is a limited time deal, so don't miss out on your free 18 ounce prime center cut ribeyes because I promise you they're not going to be around for long. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana and use code Dana. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Dana, code Dana. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. The chance for nuclear war increases every day that the war in Ukraine continues. I'm Bill Walton. On the latest edition of The Bill Walton Show, national security expert Brandon Weikert and I also discuss how China is weaker than Russia in one key area, why Taiwan's defenses are dangerously weak, and how Joe Biden wants to make the same mistake with Iran that we did with China. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. The U.S. government just facilitated a new partnership between two American firms and the government of Angola to invest $2 billion in building the new solar projects in Angola. It's a partnership that will help Angola meet its climate goals and energy needs while creating new markets for American technologies and good jobs in Angola, and I suspect throughout Africa. Uh, there's Joe Biden, uh, G7 conversations, up next NATO conversations, but talking with world leaders, he's, you know, he's hell-bent on this new energy, renewable energy emphasis, over-emphasis, no matter what cause. 
I'll tell you what would probably help Africa a lot more is the extraction of any of any minerals that they have beneath their feet to benefit all folks in Africa. Two billion dollar new solar projects in Angola, U.S., and probably some G7 getting behind this. Welcome to the Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. We're reporting to you today from, as I call it, the Dana Show Southern Command in McAllen, Texas, Brownsville, Texas, RGV of Texas. This is home to Elon Musk these days with his little spaceport here uh, right at the beach. Appreciate you sticking around. You want to say hi? It's at Sergio Talk, at Sergio Talk. I, I focus on Biden's little project here on on renewable energy. And uh, Unfortunately, look, I, I want to say this again. I, I'm not an enemy of all this renewable stuff. Um, unfortunately, with, with all the batteries and how many rare earth materials that need to be used in order to produce these batteries, uh, all the, the damage on the earth and, you know, climate in order to extract all this stuff to create all these, all these battery-powered vehicles. And, and then what to do with the batteries once they're dead? It's, it's dirtier than what we have right now. It'd be easier for folks in Angola, for example, where he announced, for them to extract, I don't know, I'm sure beneath their feet they got plenty of rare earth minerals and liquefied, the, the natural gas that they can liquefy and sell to the world right now. Where uh, we got folks in Europe that are clamoring for this petrol-based traditional energy. And, and this emphasis on, on Africa, I'm going to trumpet a comment from some folks, even on the Democrat side, who are paying attention to border stuff. Too much emphasis on other parts of the world. Too much emphasis on Asia, in my opinion. Too much emphasis on the Middle East. Too much emphasis on Africa. Not enough emphasis, even by this administration, the Biden administration, on Central America and South America, where we have a vast pool of human resources ready to produce for American industry and American energy. And by these folks producing immediately south of us, Central America and South America, alleviating us of the big gorilla, big monkey on our back, which is the illegal immigration problem folks in Central America, South America can provide for themselves, just like you hope. And we have seen even in communist Vietnam, where they've been able to turn things around and use capitalism to their benefit. The, the Chicoms using cap capitalism to their benefit. Not enough emphasis on the Americas, and yet we continue to have this problem. As, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the, the big news out of the high court, yes, you can pray now. You can pray. If you're a, a public school employer coach, you want to pray on a football field, 15, 20 seconds, thank God for a good game, not force anybody to pray with you, you can do so, 6-3 decision by the high court. That's, that's probably, in my opinion, that's one of the bigger opinions of the day. I was waiting on another one affecting our border that kind of dovetails back to what I was telling you about. Central America, South America, illegal immigration. I'm watching the high court, and I, my news director, my buddy Tim, he, he told me probably the next, um, the next big batch of decisions probably coming out on Wednesday, and this is where I'm expecting the high court to say something, the Supreme Court to say whether the Biden administration can be forced to keep 
what the Trump administration, what Donald Trump said about illegal immigrants coming this way, seeking asylum. You want to seek asylum, you remain in Mexico. You stay south of the border. Mexico City, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, AMLO, the Mexican president, in cooperation with the Trump administration, Mexico City did more to try to dissuade illegal immigration floods from Central America and South America towards us by putting together this Remain in Mexico program. You want to seek asylum? You want to work the process? Okay, wait south of the border on the other side of the port of entry, on the other side of the bridge. Joe Biden says, no, I'm going to get rid of that. State of Texas, state of Missouri, other states sued. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. That's at the high court. No decision on that today, so I'm waiting on Wednesday to hopefully hear the Supreme Court keep in place this Remain in Mexico program as put together by the Trump administration and put together by Mexico City. Not by any Democrats. Not by any D.C.-based politician. No, it was Mexico City and the Trump administration. Remain in Mexico. That, That decision coming up here pretty soon. Well, as I had mentioned to you, I got some conversations I want to share with you. Update on the primaries. Update on the midterms. Looking at the state of Michigan. They got some big races up in the state of Michigan here coming up pretty soon. Primaries around the corner. Had a chance to speak with Elizabeth Gianone. She's one of the leaders up in Michigan. Here's that conversation a couple days back. From the state of Michigan. GOP Deputy Communications Director is Elizabeth Giannone. It's a pleasure meeting you, Liz. So how are things for the GOP up in Michigan these days? Oh, uh, you know, we're holding strong. We've got, um, we're really excited ahead of November. We think there's going to be a great big red wave in the state. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but we've got three statewide Democrats in office, Gretchen Whitmer being our terrible governor. Um, and her and her Democrat friends have not been doing great things for our state, from COVID to inflation. Uh, they just haven't brought any any relief, really. So we're looking forward to a, a giant red wave this okay. November. So she's uh, for re-election, and you got a good challenger against uh, Whitmer? Uh, so actually, our, our primary in Michigan doesn't take place until August. It's okay. actually a very late primary compared to a lot of other states, but we've got some great candidates. We've got a field of about five right now. They've got some debates going strong over the next couple of months. And, um, yeah, it's looking, I, I don't want to say it's looking totally in our favor, but I, I do believe, you know, she is an incumbent. It's not going to be easy, but I do think that uh, her failures in policy. Um, it's Gretchen really Whitmer. <laughs> it's the dictator, the COVID dictator, Gretchen Whitmer. It should be easy to take her out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I I think it will be. I mean, yeah, she, you know, between her nursing home policies, she, you know, a lot of her policies led to learning loss for children in schools. It's been it's been a pretty big disaster um, between her and our attorney general, Dana Nessel, who's been in the news recently nationally for some uh, absurd comments about how drag queens should be in schools um, in every school is what she said verbatim. So. Uh, yeah, hopefully it will be. Well, I have very uh, high confidence in our candidate. I hope so, Michigan. I hope so, man. You got to get rid of that woman. Man, you talk about a poster child for it. You know, power-hungry, heavy-handed, just lunatic policies that Gretchen Whitmer, you got to get rid of her up, up in Michigan. Uh, Elizabeth oh, yeah. Giannone, uh, she's with the GOP up in Michigan. I give her a call right now because part of the talk is gasoline taxes these days. It might be, probably not. Suspended up in D.C. It's just a silly idea. They 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 won't be moving 
to repeal. Oh, you can't repeal taxes. The federal government repealed taxes, even temporarily for, for like what three months, uh, ninety days. I don't see that happening. You guys up in Michigan? You guys have a state gas tax too? I would imagine, right, Liz? Yeah, we do. Um, our state gas tax is actually higher, obviously, than the federal tax. About twenty-seven cents to the Oof. federal tax is uh, eighteen cents. And actually, our Republican-led legislature. Uh, actually put uh, measures forward and sent them to Gretchen Whitmer's desk to sign to give uh, Michiganders a gas tax holiday that would last longer than three months um, and would bring more relief than just the federal gas tax alone. Obviously, it's about double. And guess what she did? She vetoed that legislation. Um, She clearly doesn't want to work on a bipartisan basis to bring relief to Michiganders. Um, Actually, it was uh, in, you know, we call her the flip-flop governor because she does one thing says another repeatedly, she has been uh, championing Biden's federal gas tax holiday platform while also vetoing the one that legislators put forward in our very own state. So it's a little bit confusing to people. You know, it it seems like she maybe wants to pass the buck, which is what we've seen from her time and time again. Uh, I'm not really sure. It seems like political games to Biden as well. I mean, I read a headline this morning. The White House is trying to show urgency to Americans. Uh, uh-huh. Where is this urgency? I mean, Americans have been suffering for months. It's not just Michigan. I'm sure in Texas you're feeling the pain, too. Um, all across the country we are. So I, I don't understand how this is an uh, urgency from Biden. I think he just doesn't know what else to do at this point. Yeah, my God. And I only hope and pray people paying attention. Uh, from Michigan, Elizabeth Giannone. She's with the GOP up there. Let me take it back to my initial question on, on the yeah. governor. A generic GOP candidate. You guys are at the University of Michigan, man. You got a great polling department. Has anybody run numbers on Whitmer against anyone? I would imagine she's got to be trailing. Yeah, we have. Um, I, I don't have the exact poll to cite, but we have done some polling against her going against a generic Republican, and it is definitely uh, close. I think we actually have uh, the generic Republican uh, beating her very slightly. So I think that our take is that we're confident once we have an actual candidate, not just you know some generic Republican in the field, again, because our primary doesn't take place until August. Um, I, I really do think that will up the ante and will really be able to uh, retire her. And, and our slogan is fire Whitmer and fire Nestle and Jocelyn Benson as well. Okay. Uh, they have done nothing great for our state, and we really need some solid leadership, uh, some GOP leadership to come back to the state. On the national level, like GOP races, uh, uh, congressional stuff, anything interesting that I, I might recognize way down here in Texas on the congressional side? Um, you know, we just had redistricting, which I, I'm, I'm sure every state had that to go through that. So we definitely have some interesting interesting races up here. Okay. Um, but again, even our, okay, our congressional right. Democrats are pretty crazy. We had Debbie Stabenow, um, Congresswoman from Michigan, uh, last week say something to the effect of, you know, I'm driving around in my electric vehicle. Uh, so I don't care about what the gas prices are. They don't affect my life. And, you know, how tone deaf is that to come from somebody um, when inflation is, is ravaging the pocketbooks of yeah. families? That Save the audio. It. Use it. Save the audio. Use it. Post it online. Use it. Share it. My goodness. <laughs> and did you guys up in Michigan do anything to strengthen election laws, voter ID, make sure mail-in ballot is that one voter and not anybody else, especially a dead person? Did you guys do anything special to strengthen election law up in in Michigan. Yeah, we actually had a really great petition initiative called Secure My Vote, MI as in Michigan, Secure My Vote. Um, and that will go to, uh, it was a petition initiative because Gretchen Whitmer last year vetoed um, the measures. 
so we took up the own, our own initiative basically to get signature uh, to signature requirement. So um, that is currently ongoing. I believe the deadline is next week or the week after that, and that will then go to the legislature. Um, we have a, a sort of a loophole here in Michigan where if the governor vetoes something, but you have enough petition signatures, um, it does have the ability to um, get into law. So yes, it does include things mm-hmm. like you said. Um, voter ID requirements, which our Secretary of State, who handles elections here in Michigan, um, she's been um, pretty terrible. Um, You know, she got on Republicans for questioning the 2020 election, but she herself has actually questioned the results of every Republican won election since 2000, the year 2000. So, um, yeah, we've really got to make a change here in Michigan. Liz, thank you. Um, Wishing you great success. You guys soldier on up there in Michigan. Elizabeth Giano, she's with the GOP up in Michigan. And uh, I, I brought her aboard, and I brought Liz aboard, because we've got another big primary Tuesday tomorrow. You guys, heads up. Colorado, Illinois. Let's see who else. I did a little quick list here. It was Oklahoma. There you go. New York, Utah. And I think you guys, uh, one of the Carolinas has a runoff. Yeah. Let me see. Where's my note? South Carolina's got a runoff. So Colorado, Illinois, New York, Oklahoma, Utah, South Carolina runoff. Primaries. It's primary season. Time to choose your candidates. They, they said as a result of the Roe v. Wade, um, the decision by the high court to flush Roe v. Wade down the toilet. They said that abortion, they, all these lefties saying abortion or a Roe v. Wade will be on the ballot. Okay. I think there was like uh, an NPR poll that said that 70% of registered Democrats were more motivated to go vote as a result of the high court nixing uh, Roe v. Wade. About 55% of Republicans said the same thing. Well, appreciate you tuning in on this Monday. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and we're broadcasting the Dana Show today from her Southern Command in South Texas. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. And uh, happy Monday to you. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and we're broadcasting The Dana Show nationwide, worldwide, from deep south Texas, still in blessed soil. It's the RGV of Texas here at the studios of KURV. I'm Sergio Sanchez. If you want to say hi, it's at Sergio Talk. On Twitter, whereas Dana says the Twitters. Yeah, a quick sports note: uh, something I was keeping an eye on was I used to be an NFL fan. <laughs> I still can't get my mojo. Being a, a former Houston Texan fan doesn't help either. But uh, fascinating off the field antics, legal antics. Uh, the Texans in Houston being sued by a massage therapist, claiming that the team, the Texans, they enabled now. You know, Cleveland Brown quarterback Deshaun Watson, Toy Gardner filed suit in the Houston area saying the Texans would let Deshaun Watson reach out to masseuses on social media, even though they had a full time training staff. And settlements have been reached in most cases against the 25 year old. Now, tomorrow is the big day. Tomorrow is the big day that the NFL is supposed to announce how many games this guy's going to be suspended for this season with the Cleveland Browns. From South Texas, you're listening to The Dana Show. Happy Monday.
you got elected president, would you advocate and sign into law a nationwide ban on abortion? The answer is, uh, I don't believe uh, that we ought to go back to saying there ought to be a national uh, law that's passed. We've fought for 50 years to have this return to the states. We've won that battle. It's back to the states. Uh, let's let it be resolved there. I think there's also a constitutional issue as to whether the federal government has that authority to begin with under the That's Governor Asa Hutchison from, from Arkansas, Arkansas. Welcome to the Dana Show, amigo. Happy Monday, hour two of the program. I'm Sergio Sanchez in for my friend Dana Lash. Lord willing, Dana should be back with us, I do believe, on on Wednesday. Yeah, we're not going back to a national law on abortion against or in favor of it. And would have been different had it been actually codified through the Assembly, through the legislature, through the Senate, and signed into law by a president. No, is the instrument, the favorite instrument of the left now for more than a generation using the courts to you know, overturn whatever voters have to say. Now, Governor Hutchison focusing on the state fights that are now abortion. Sadly, on the abortion side, it's the reality of, of where we are right now. We've got the birth of, of, of a new tourism industry. It's coming up. I mean, I, I got a here on my pile. I have a separate abortion pile. Looking at all these different companies that are going to be paying for their employees to go kill an unborn child. Birth of, of a travel abortion travel industry. The states will likely be benefiting from all these women who failed to recognize what is at the core of the argument. Colorado, California, you mean Washington State, New York, they're all going to be hosting. And, all, and many of these companies, big companies, are going to be paying for their employees to go and kill their unborn baby. Disney, I'm saying, they're going to pay for travel expenses to states like Colorado where you can kill a kid on the day of birth, kill a kid in Colorado. Fully formed baby in Colorado. You can kill that kid. Lyft, Disney, J.P. Morgan Chase, Dick's Sporting Goods, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Discovery, Sony. Did I mention Netflix as well? Just among the longest. Amazon, Facebook, Meta. Starbucks. Yeah, any woman wants an abortion, they'll pay the travel expenses to Colorado or California or New York. Some of them say about 4000 bucks for them. At the core of all this, what, what, what people fail to see, including some in, just surprisingly, just for me, just, in the religious community. And this this has this is being argued now in this generation that is a generation that is pro-life, that has actually taken the time to understand first the science peep behind all this. 
Take a look at the images, at the sonogram. Take a look at the sounds. Take a look at the heartbeat. Take a look at the DNA. Take a look at the blood type, the fingerprints, everything that makes up a separate individual. That individual represents all of us. We were all there once. We wore a, an, an hour timeline. You listening in, right? Probably just, you know, just chomping at the bit, maybe even cursing me out right now talking about abortion. You and I meeting to, right now on the radio, maybe online later on in the day, you and I, we're, we're all there after that little spark of love between your mama and your papa. And that's what it takes, a mama and a papa. That's, that's just science. That's reality. That's biology. You can't change that. You were there once. And so was I. It's just, I just, I'm flabbergasted to this day how, and just in my opinion, how lazy some people are. I just exercise their noggin just a little bit to, to understand, to recognize what is at the core of this entire argument. Why we have a generation of life right now that, and I agree with Governor Hutchinson, we're never going back to a national standard. We're going to have to continue this conversation at the state level. And if there was an issue that screamed and begged from, from the tomb to the trash heap, all these children being killed through all these years, 70 million plus America, God forgive it. It's like all these people online, on, on Twitter and on Facebook, and, and I don't go down that rabbit hole. I just, for example, I, I said, I think on Twitter, I said thanks for all of y'all courageously, either uh, policymakers, politicians, doctors, women, some pastors, very few, in my opinion, very few, very, very, very few pastors that had the cojones, had the you-know-whats to courageously stand up for life all these years. But some of y'all were out there. Thank you for the courageous ones who were out there standing up for life. So these people commenting online, I don't argue with them. It's, 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 it's fruitless. It's, it's useless to argue with them. I just, I just say my thanks, uh, you know, repost my memes, uh, re, you know, share something on Twitter, uh, repost, uh, that's fine. Some of these folks saying, there's two that came to mind. There's one person I know here in South Texas. You know, I stand with her. I think he has a couple of daughters. I stand with her. Well, you standing with your grandbaby who might be aborted? You standing with your great grandbaby who might be aborted? Another person, uh, and I think that that second person, I think that posted from from a church I used to go to in, in North McAllen. Um, I'm a Christian. Abortion is wrong, but I'm not going to impose my beliefs on anybody. It's it's, it's like. Exercise your noggin just a little bit more. Uh, let's say you believe in property rights, right? I believe in in property rights. I believe the individual has a right to own property. But I cannot tell someone he should not own a human being as property. That's not my business. That's not my property. It's not my problem. The very fact that people are not property 
is lost on this individual. The very fact that a child is an individual, a separate timeline from yours. You don't care, you may not care about the aborted individual, the murdered individual, because it's not you. <laughs> You're not the one whose lifeline, timeline is being snuffed. It's, 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 it's amazing how people, they, they will stop at a certain point. I'm with her. I'm with my daughters. That's it. I'm, I'm a Christian. It's, it's abortion all wrong, but I'm not going to post my beliefs. Well, man, good thing you weren't around back during the age of slavery. <laughs> Human beings are not property. That is at the core of the argument. Everything else is moot. It's a moot point. The individual has a right to live in the preamble of our Constitution, recognized by our founding fathers. And in that life, will exercise his or her liberty and, and produce wealth and property and be able to bequeath that to his, her progeny. Absolutely, they deserve protection. Anyway, everybody's claiming their ground, you know, these half-wits in, in industry thinking they're, they're doing some type of good by perpetuating the murder of innocents. Lord knows how many more millions may need to die. Abortion is still alive. Abortion is still... I, I thank God, though, just me, I, I think Roe v. Wade is, is done and has, has ignited this argument in this political season that we must continue to have. Uh, another big court decision today, as I'm sure you've been listening top of the hour, by a 6-3 decision, the high court just said that Washington State School, a high school, uh, they were wrong. A school district, they were wrong in getting rid of a high school football coach because as someone was explaining, some legal analyst was explaining, it's, it's amazing. What, you know, this high school football coach, after, uh, after the game, due to the 50-yard line, he'd take like, like 15, 20 seconds, he'd take a knee, he would say thank you personally, not requiring anyone to come and join him, not demanding that people come down from, from the bleachers and join him, not requiring any of his athletes who played for him to take a knee. No, it's just he's an individual expressing his individual beliefs, individual religion. He takes a knee, 50-yard line, and starts thanking God. He believes in God. He's thanking God. In this America, you have absolutely, you have codified in our Bill of Rights, you have absolutely, in the, especially in the public square, to exercise your faith. Well, number one, he's a school employee, taxpayer money. He's in the football field, football stadium, funded by probably a lot of debt at the local level of the school district, provided by taxpayers. Oh, no, we can't have any of that. We can't have that in any of that in the public square. He's not demanding this of anybody. It's amazing. A 15, 20-second little prayer, and some atheist kid, um, self-proclaimed atheist kid, and his family get, get all bent out of shape for this, and, oh, we got to go to court. Got to fight this. Can't have any of this. A 6-3 to three decision by the high court, allowing the coach... Coach Kennedy, Joe Kennedy, 
to continue his practice. It, absolutely a victory for individual rights. Absolutely a victory for religious rights. He's not establishing some church. <laughs> not demanding people come down from the bleachers and start singing. People on his team, you know, bring out some chairs, unfold some chairs and start a church service, establishing a specific type of Christianity. No, he was he's an individual expressing his religious beliefs. And, and thanks. 15, 20 seconds. It's amazing how the left gets all bent out of shape. We'll make a, a national issue of this. What saddens me the most is that three high court justices, despite their vast years, decades of education and all these writings, still we have three high court justices that cannot see how many times that they lie to individuals on the Senate trying to approve them to work in the high court. Yeah. Swore an oath to the Constitution. No, you didn't. You don't, even, you don't even recognize the Constitution. These three leftists who did not recognize this individual liberty to express his, her, his religious belief in public, in the public square, without shame, a 6-3 decision, a victory for religious rights today at the high court. Coming up on 20 minutes after the hour, you're listening to The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. Appreciate you tuning in today. You want to say hi? Uh, go to the Twitters thing, as Dana says. Say hi. At Sergio Talk. At Sergio Talk. Stick around for my conversation with Oil Patch Pro David Blackman. Price of crude still very high. There's a new break-even point in the industry that's much, much higher than it was just, man, two, three years ago. When 45 bucks, 50 bucks was a break-even point, it's much higher now for oil producers, which is unfortunately bad news for you and I when it comes to paying at the pump here pretty soon. And also Terry Beatley from Hosea Initiative, author of What If We've Been Wrong? She spoke with the doctor who led the charge nationwide, uh, Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He, he founded NARAL. How did we get into this abortion mess for almost 50 years? Yeah, Terry Beatley has an awesome story you will not want to miss. Thank you for joining us on The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. Red meat, black coffee, truth-telling. The Dana Show. Reporting to you from what I refer to as the Dana Show Southern Command, Rio Grande Valley of Texas at the studios of KURV Radio. I'm Sergio Sanchez. It's an honor that you join us today. Uh, you want to say hi? It's on the Twitter's thing, as Dana said. At Sergio Talk. At Sergio Talk. Let's do some headlines. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Let's see, quick business note. Orders for big ticket items rose unexpectedly last month, seven tenths of a point. Uh, folks that are watching uh, the roadways and travel saying the roads will be very busy this Coming 4th of July, holiday weekend. Already this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Already July 4th, Independence Day this weekend. AAA is saying 42 million Americans will be driving 50 miles or more for the 4th of July weekend. And two people dead, 20 injured after a Russian airstrike hit a Ukrainian mall. Nine of those injured are said to be in serious condition. My goodness. And back to the U.S., New Hampshire's governor has vetoed legislation that would have permitted 
uh, parasite drug treatment uh, treat COVID to be available without a prescription. You know, ivermectin. They said no. The governor said no. Uh, Over-the-counter ivermectin. Thank you for joining us on The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. The Dana Show. The Republicans have been very overt about trying to get people through the court who didn't have a published record on Roe, but who they knew, wink, wink, nod, nod, were going to be extremists on the issue of Roe versus Wade. And that is exactly what we have ended up with. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had after their gun decision, after their voting decision, after their union decision. They just took the last of it and set a torch to it with the Roe versus Wade opinion. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yes. You know, that's Focahontas Elizabeth Warren, high court, losing legitimacy. Yeah, only, Senator, only because you you don't agree with anything the high court had to say because uh, you don't believe in the Constitution because you don't believe in individual liberty to a issues and you definitely definitely Senator Liz Warren you you don't believe in the individual's right to live first of all then exercise liberty and then accumulate property. Welcome to the Dana Show, Hour 2 for a Monday. I'm Sergio Sanchez. If you want to say hello, you got to do the Twitter thing. It's at Sergio Talk. Stick around for a conversation I want to share with you. Uh, David Blackman is an oil patch pro. We got West Texas Intermediate at 106 a barrel right now. I know that's very high. You you as an economic nerd, you've been paying attention to oil prices and gas prices. Of course, gasoline prices through the roof right now. I think the national average is still north or really close to like the 490 nationwide. Uh, we need more petrol out of the ground. We need West Texas. Uh, we need Eagleford. We need the Dakotas. We need everybody pumping more. There's so many jobs to be had right now. Great opportunities in the oil patch. But uh, we don't have any capital. We Compared to what it was just five, six years ago, uh, we don't have the vast amounts of capital for investment to get a return on this $106 per barrel uh, oil uh, you know, right now. Break-even point is, I think the break-even point is twice as high right now for speculators, for investors, than when it was about four or five years ago. At a time, four or five years ago, at a time when, when OPEC when the Saudis figured out that we were, were going to be oil independent, thanks to West Texas, Eagleford, thanks to the Dakotas, thanks to all the, the shale and fracking all over the place, here in our country, our resources, our energy, for us to provide cheap, reliable fuel for our families, for America first, when they realized that, they flooded the oil market. And break even back then, was around the $40 mark. And I still remember this. I always follow, obviously I'm from Texas, I always follow stuff like this. It's twice as much, almost twice as much now than before. Anyway, that conversation on the old pitch coming up in just a little bit. Uh, They say that, uh, some say, well, leftists say, Democrats say, abortion is going to be on the ballot. Or maybe they're not saying abortion because they don't like that scarlet letter A. They don't like they. Some of them, you know, they'll do the sign of the cross and say 
No, I'm not in favor of abortion, but abortion should be legal. Infanticide. The murder of undelivered children. They say it's going to be on the ballot. Well, I'll tell you what. Tomorrow is primary day. And there was a, a lefty poll. It was NPR and some university group. They said 70% of Democrats are more motivated right now to go vote as a result of Roe v. Wade being flushed down the toilet by this court. This originally originalist-minded, liberty-loving, majority, high court that we waited more than a generation to finally seat and get us these decisions to protect life, to protect rights as codified by our Constitution. Colorado, Illinois, New York, Oklahoma, Utah. Uh, there's a South Carolina runoff. You guys got primaries tomorrow. So if you want abortion, you're going to have to get it at the state level. Here in Texas, we got, we got a good Irish boy, fake Mexican, as I call him, Robert Francis O'Rourke, top of the morning. Oh, Beto, remember him? Beto, Beto, Beto O'Rourke. He's running for governor. And yes, he's still, you know, claiming, you know, want to get rid of all AR-15 rifles. They're scary looking. Ooh, they look like military rifles, long rifles. Got to get rid of AR-15 rifles. He's going to seize them, going to outlaw them. He's still holding to that. And this political opportunities, this political opportunist that has been to O'Rourke. His, his latest quote from this past weekend was, if elected governor of the state of Texas... Uh, he would work to legalize abortion in the state of Texas. Okay, well, good luck with that. Beto, that's not going to fly well in Texas. I was mentioning to you earlier the new tourism industry that's being birthed as a result of Roe v. Wade, bad law, being flushed down the toilet. It's the birth of abortion travel. And I mentioned some of the companies, big companies, all the big, big companies. Amazon, Starbucks, Facebook. Did I mention Starbucks? You know, the coffee, expensive coffee again? Yeah, you're helping to fund some of that. And so are you know, Disney, Lyft, J.P. Morgan Chase, Dick's Sporting Goods, Paramount, Netflix, Warner Brothers, Sony, and the aunt, and so on and so on and so on. All these companies helping to pay for travel for their women who want to kill their unborn child to travel to an abortion state like Colorado or California or New York. One silver lining that I see in all this, and, you know, this fake Mexican, Robert Francis O'Rourke Beto, reminded me, because he's out there saying he's going to work to legalize abortion in the state of Texas. Well, you, you stick to your guns, Beto. Anyone on the left who wants to support you can do so. You know, everybody knows where you're going to be standing on this issue. Great. On this travel thing, now that we know where the babies will be killed before birth, legally, and now we know the states that will outlaw abortion and finally provide necessary restrictions and limitations on infanticide, on murder. Well, one good thing that I see of it, at least, well, I'm thinking, at least leftists from California won't be coming to Texas. Leftists from, you know, weed-smoking leftists from Colorado won't be coming to Texas, right? 
They'll have to, they'll want to stay in their abortion sanctuary state of Colorado, abortion sanctuary state of California. Lefties from New York can stay in New York. Unless you want to come to Texas and do without, you know, murdering unborn children. That, that's my hope. At least all these lefties, now they live in a leftist state. They can stay in their left state and don't Californicate my Texas anymore. That's, that's one good thing I see of all this. Back to the oil patch. We've been noticing for several days now, price of gas been going down just a little bit. I went on vacation a few days back. And man, I was grabbing my ankles. And we're talking about areas in the south traveling through Louisiana, tra- traveling through Arkansas and Louisiana and Alabama, going to Florida. There's some only stations $5 plus. I, I really wasn't paying attention too much to the news because I was on vacation those, those two weeks. Uh, at that time, the national average went over $5 a gallon gas. Ooh-wee. We're not far from that, amigo. We're losing a few cents here and there. I think the national average is closer to 490-ish at the moment. Oil still well above 100. Where's the money for all producers to to give us more of this cheap and reliable energy? I'm sure we're with you a conversation I had with an old patch pro, David Blackman. With more than a generation of experience in the oil patch, David Blackman, oil and gas pro, my guest. Dave, earlier I spoke with media friend who said, you know, the reason that gas prices day after day keep hearing it's a penny down and two pennies down again and another penny down and we're no, no longer at, at $5 plus a I mean, gallon national average. We're, at, we're only at four ninety ish national average. He says it's, it's industry, it's businesses, it's individuals who are preparing for a recession. Do you agree? Well, I, you know, I'm not an economist, but yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? And and it's, you know, often been the case that when uh, oil prices spike like they have, uh, recession follows soon thereafter. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see. What does your crystal ball say as far as prices near future? We're going to be stuck at four ninety, four eighty for the remainder of the year. Yeah, I, well, you know, there's a lot of factors going into the price of oil. I think will fluctuate, you know, but we'll stay in this range from four seventy up to. A little over five dollars, probably for the rest of summer, and uh, but it, the market for crude oil remains undersupplied, so pressures on crude oil prices are are going to continue to be higher until or unless we do have a recession. Um, the only thing that's going to relieve that is a is a pullback in in demand for crude, and, and unfortunately, that's that's what happens during a recession. What's the price per barrel right now in ballpark, Dave? Uh, 106 today for West Texas Intermediate. The Brent yeah. International price is over 112. Uh, it's headed up again after a week of, of going down a little bit. Um, and frankly, I just expect it to continue going up uh, for the most part. The general inertia will be up. He's in the oil patch. David Blackman, my guest right now. What's the break-even point now, Dave, with inflation, the way things are? Lack of personnel, lack of drivers, lack of people punching the ground. Uh, what's the break even? 70, 80 per barrel? What is it? Yeah, for shell, uh, shell drilling in the United States, it's somewhere around $70 now. That's a lot. It was just a year and a half ago, it was just $50. So you see what's happened 
in the oil patch in terms of uh, cost increases. And, you know, the other thing that's really draining the industry's ability to ramp up production is restrictions on capital availability from these in environmentally dri- driven investor groups like Vanguard, BlackRock. And uh, so, you know, it's it's a difficult situation for oil producers. And I recall a time when in West Texas, Eagle Ford, and, and even up in the uh, the Dakotas, all the, all the energy that we were extracting from our soil, and we were so energy dependent dependent back there. I remember the Saudis flooding the market, <laughs> just flooding right. us, trying to trying to throw a bunch of people out of business. And back then, I think break even. I remember somebody said it was forty forty five back then. Right, um, it was. Yes. Is there any way? For us to get back to break even 50-50-ish, or are we now looking at a, because of inflation, because of higher labor costs, and lack of equipment, and lack of resupply equipment and parts and all that, do you think we're, we're going to be stuck at 70, 80? I'm afraid before? so, okay. yes. We're in a high price environment for several years now, and it's the capital restrictions have been a big part of that. Uh, uh, government regulation is a big driver of that, and of course... In this current administration, that's going to continue to to ramp up on the industry. And, uh, you know, it, despite of what they may say in public, no one in this administration is planning to change course. They're very ideologically driven and true believers. And uh, so for the next two and a half years, we're, we're going to be in, in a very tough environment where energy is concerned. Oil and Gas Pro David Blackman is my guest. Capital restrictions. Flesh that one a bit more for working people right now. Why are the people with the money sitting on the sidelines, Dave? Uh, because of climate climate change uh, alarmism. And, uh, you know, the again, a lot of these big companies have been taken over by, by uh, ideologically driven people who think the oil and gas industry is evil and want to deny it the capital it needs to, to develop our resources. And so, uh, you know, that drives the cost of capital up. It, it makes it tougher. Our, our universities are demonizing the industry in the classroom. And so kids coming out of college don't want to go to work in the industry. And uh, that kind of propaganda is pervasive throughout our media as well. So. You know, even skilled labor in the oil fields that was plentiful a few years ago is now becoming harder and harder to find, despite the fact that the oil and gas business pays higher wages yeah. than any other business in the country well, by far. Anybody willing to work? And I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday. Anyone willing to work either in logistics, transport, or, you know, punching holes out there, they can make a lot oh, of money yeah. right now in the industry. Yeah, get yourself a commercial driver's license. You can start at seventy, eighty thousand 80000 a year. Wow. And that's on the low end. That's that's, that's starting. That's salary. on the low end. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it still so possible? It's, it's a lucrative way to make a living, but uh, you know you have to be willing to do it, and more and more people are not willing to do it. So easily, anyone else that has a little bit of experience or some legs in the industry, they're making six figures plus, but they're doing pretty good right now. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so average compensation stuff. for an employee in Texas in the oil and gas business is well over a hundred thousand dollars a year now. Where do they find you, Dave? You putting out a newsletter, information, what you doing? Sure, I have a Substack. It's uh, blackman.substack.com. You can find me there. You can find me at Forbes.com. I'm a regular contributor on energy issues. Forbes. And I do a lot of podcasting and social media as well. Be safe, friend. Good to talk to you again. Oil and hey, Gas. Thank you. It's yeah, always yeah. always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Oil and Gas Pro, David Blackman. 
And he gives me something, I think gives us something to think about going into the fall. And I know some of y'all at public schools have been thinking about what type of programs to set up. Dual enrollment, truck driving. CDL, truck driving, right? I mean, you're looking at giving kids a CDL, driving a big rig with a partner, hopefully, right? 100000 bucks. Man, that's a lot of cash. Happy Monday, and welcome to The Dana Show. You want to say hi online? Uh, I'm Sergio Sanchez, and you say hi on Twitter at Sergio Talk. The Dana Show. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. Doing a trek through the South on vacation. I was reminded why I don't live in a big city. Traffic, everybody hates traffic. This note from Sarasota County, Florida. Deputies responded to calls of a driver seen driving on a Sarasota County sidewalk to avoid rush hour traffic. Somebody complained to the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office set up a sting, gave the dude a ticket, and a good lecture how unsafe it was to use the sidewalk. From South Texas, I'm Sergio Sanchez. This is The Dana Show. Years ago, COVID-19 didn't need any reminders about how critical investments in health care systems were and health, sec- and health security is, both to fight the pandemic and to prepare for the next one, because it will not be the last pandemic we, under, we, we have to deal with. That's why the United States, together with the G7 partners and the World Bank, are investing in a new industrial-scale vaccine manufacturing facility in Senegal. That's President Biden, and he's with world leaders, and we got another G7 conversation, NATO get-together as well. Welcome to Hour 3 of the Dana Show for a Monday. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and for my friend Dana, and Lord willing, Dana should be back with us by Wednesday, taking a couple more days uh, for vacation, making sure she gets back, and back and healthy, back and strong. Appreciate the call, Dana, um, and appreciate the team. Thank you to my brother Sugarcane and Steve and, and all the game. Val, you guys, thank you for putting everything together. Yeah, G7 a summit underway in, in Germany, and you heard the president stumbling, you know, kind of mumbling a little bit, uh, trying to egg you know, the World Bank, try to invest in vaccine, more of COVID vaccine or other vaccine manufacturing, which I, mean, I think of it. God forbid if it ever happens again. If we if we ever have another leak at a Chinese lab that we have to respond to sometime in the future, you know it's going to be the U.S. You know it's going to be your grandkids, your great grandkids that are footing the bill to the tune of billions of dollars of big pharma to figure out a solution for that leak from a Chinese lab. I was listening to that audio from the president and a little bit of mumbling and and stumbling there. I think it's. I only think it's it's an an appropriate what continuation of the feckless and frankly impotent embarrassing response by the US and amigos Germany G7 it's all the same thing G7 NATO is is you know EU pretty much all the same thing it's the same players they all start talking tough. They see Vladimir Putin. He's lining up his tanks and his big trucks. And, you know, he's, he's going to roll into, you know, 
go 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 take take his neighbor's land, right? And for all the promises that we were going to defend Ukraine, for all the promises that all these sanctions were going to do something to to protect Volodymyr Zelensky and Ukraine, <laughs> nothing. When do by the way, uh, what's the clock? I need to go back see when we hit uh, nine months, twelve months, year anniversary on on the whole Ukrainian thing. We're only what six months in, barely. The Russians are gaining ground on the Ukrainians. It's, it's little by little, little by little. They're taking more cities. They're taking more streets. They're taking more territory. You got Volodymyr Zelensky. You know, still working with the West, trying to get more armament, trying to get more food, trying to get more resources. This I'm reading all this to you right now. When uh, the, one of the top stories this time, in case you're listening to the Dana Show live, which I encourage you to listen live, noon to three Eastern, eleven a to two p.m. Central. If your radio station is not carrying it live, tell your program director, hey, Dana and the crew, they're covering news live as, as it's happening. We had an airstrike. Well, not we, but in Ukraine. A Russian airstrike in a Ukrainian mall. They got a few people dead. Lord knows how many injured. You know, President Biden out there mumbling his way about the World Bank and investing into manu- manufacturing of vaccines. That's, that's the U.S. President Biden... G7 and NATO and all the sanctions, sanctions, sanctions that were supposed to prevent Russia, Russia, Russia from taking all that neighbor's land going into Ukraine. Nothing happened. Vladimir Putin doesn't fear the West. Vladimir Putin doesn't need the West. Vladimir Putin doesn't blink. He Little by little, drip, 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 he's taking a few more streets. He's taking a few more towns. His henchmen, his, his thugs are out there killing innocents. And Volodymyr Zelensky is digging in his heels and playing defense. He's losing the eastern part, um, western part of his country, southern part of his country, the ports. All these promises uh, of all these sanctions, of all these economic penalties, of all this petrol from Russia that the West wouldn't purchase anymore, these reactions by international banks and transactions nothing happened you guys didn't do anything it's embarrassing it's it's beyond embarrassing i you know i'm wondering if anyone some enterprising young reporter doesn't have to be an american reporter someone some german enterprising reporter some french enterprising reporter is anyone going to press joe biden or Anyone from Germany, France, anyone from NATO, anyone from the G7, anyone going to press leadership representing this team of international sanctions to help dissuade, discourage Vladimir Putin from going into his neighbor's land, going into Ukraine? Anyone going to press the issue? What about all your sanctions? What about all this effort to deter violence? It's worse now than it was before. Sure. Vladimir Putin and his forces, not not him specifically, but his forces, took it in the groin, took it right between right between the eyes, got some of their teeth kicked out. But they're still fighting, and they're still advancing, 
And we're still in a situation where billions upon billions of American treasure and Western treasure are being set aside to help defend the Ukrainians because we don't want them to lose. Can you, God forbid, if Volodymyr Zelensky loses this war sometime over the next six months, can you imagine that situation where you know, it looked like Vladimir Putin was going to lose it, but you know he snatched it from defeat in the end? All these sanctions were for nothing. All these threats, all this bluster for nothing. It's, it's absolutely embarrassing. Meantime, other headlines today related to all this. NATO building defenses. They got a new number they're spouting out. High readiness forces set to surpass 300,000. Good chunk of those would be American forces ready to react as Jan Stoltenberg, the Secretary General from NATO. If he were to say, we need to fight back because the Russians, they're attacking NATO soil, we got 300,000. Probably most of those U.S. treasure, U.S. young men and women ready to fight. Let's see what else is here. Yeah, I told you about the airstrikes, several dead. Lord knows how many injured as a result. Yeah, that's enough on that. Nothing's going to happen with the G7. Nothing's going to come from, from the NATO conversation outside of fattening up the forces a little bit. This note from New York State, which I found right before the top of the hour news, non-citizens will not be allowed to vote in New York State elections. Hallelujah! <laughs> They're not completely brain dead up in New York State. You guys are going to have to fix your own problems up there in New York, people. Because I know your lefties, I know your commies, and all the people who keep you in power, they ain't coming to Texas. They ain't moving to Texas. No, because uh, abortion ain't going to be legal in Texas. New York State Supreme Court. And I think it was, I think the plan was about 700,000 to 800,000 residents, people that actually had immigration papers to live in New York State, but since they're not citizens, they don't have a right to vote in New York State. I think the plan was to have, uh, let's say, a cool three-quarter of a million people vote in local elections, you know, for boroughs, for council people, mayors, not for state or not for federal elections. Well, when this idea popped up about, you know, four or five months ago... <laughs> Of, of course, and I'm, I'm glad that the New York Republicans took this issue to court. Non-citizens, the New York State's uh, Supreme Court has stated, just moments back, non-citizens, yeah, people living in the country legally, but they're not citizens, not, will not be allowed to vote in local New York elections. And I guess they will have to resort to the tactics of, of illegal immigrants who vote, if, you know, depending how many there might be out there who vote. Yeah, they'll, they'll need to resort to the traditional means. Yeah, you know, using dead voter ID in order to cast a ballot. 42 million people, 42 million Americans will be driving 50 miles or more during 4th of July destinations. It's right around the corner. My goodness, already 4th of July is, in fact, a week from today. It's, it's a week from today. 42 million people hitting the road. I... Um, I took a vacation, family and I, first, first one in, in two-plus years, and, you know, the COVID thing. Uh, if you've listened to The Dana Show you, and 
you hear me every now and then I get to fill in for Dana. I've got a cystic fibrosis kid, and man, we played we played big time defense during the entire COVID outbreak thing. With a compromised lung, I don't want to explain too much, but it's a compromised lung, compromised pancreas. Uh, my baby's doing really good thanks to the CF Foundation and the medications and FDA-approved medications and all the treatments and all the He's doing really good. But, yeah, we didn't want that COVID bug visiting our house. We lost I, – I lost my – the woman who was a, like my mother to me, my, my mom-in-law. We lost her to COVID because she had very weak lungs. We couldn't even go see her in West Texas with a funeral, when, much less when she was sick. It was just – it was excruciating, the pain. But uh, we avoided uh, travel for over two years because of the COVID thing. So thanks to the crew here at the radio station and thanks to the team of uh, the Dana Show, you guys. Because I, I, I was supposed to come in last week for, for a few days. Thanks to the entire team, you guys, who, who blessed us with an opportunity to take some time off. Um, I, I picked up the flu bug <laughs> on the way back. One of my kids did, my older one. And, of course, complimented Dad. There you go, Dad. Lose your voice before you have to go back on the radio. I had an extended vacation, an additional three days last week uh, as a result. But uh, we made it out to Florida. Hugging a kiss to all the Dana Show family out in Florida. Uh, I avoided the Disney stuff. Uh, not necessarily for political stuff and advocacy, which I'm glad because I, I – I had no desire and really no appetite. Neither did the family, the boys. My 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 big boy turned fifteen. My my little one turned nine. My baby, he turned ten. I'm sorry, fifteen and ten on the road. So it was uh, kind of a, a gift to them. Uh, this go around, uh, they didn't want any Disney stuff. Uh, they kind of pay attention to the news too and say, eh, it's okay. They they want to go Middleton. Uh, we can take our daughter somewhere else, especially my older one who's very much in tune with stuff like this. Um, Universal Studios. And yes, I know there are a bunch of lefties too. But that's what we enjoyed was, was the Universal Studios stuff. And may I say, since some of y'all might be going to Florida and go to Florida, don't go to, don't go to California. I know they got Universal over there too. They got Disneyland over there too. They, they got other, no, go to Florida. Let's, let's support our family in Florida. Ron DeSantis and all the conservative family in Florida. Universal was... Uh, I went at a time when it wasn't that packed, I don't think. Because uh, I, I found out with this vacation travel, you, you guys up northeast, you guys don't get out of school till July. That's when the big crowds go out there. So um, we enjoyed a little bit of Universal. We, we enjoyed Legoland as well. The little one, my nine who became 10-year-old, he wanted to see Legoland. That place was empty. It was super darn hot. Had a nice water park, but it was mostly empty. I was disappointed because I love Legos. All right, 19 minutes after the hour. This is the Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez reporting to you from her southern command in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. You want to say hello, uh, go to Twitter and send a message at Sergio Talk. The Dana Show. We're broadcasting from South Texas, RGV of Texas. Still Texas, blessed soil. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and this is The Dana Show. You want to say hi, you uh, go use the Twitter's thing, as Dana said, at Sergio Talk. Stick around for headlines and also a conversation with a friend I made a few days back, an expert on the fight for life, Terry Beatley, 
with Hosea Initiative and her conversation that led to a book with Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Bernard Nathanson, he was pretty much the founder, co-founder of NARAL. So how did we get into this mess? Almost 50 years of legalized, uh, federally protected baby killing in this country. That's coming up on The Danish Show here in just a little bit. Let's do some headlines. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Economic note, a bit of a surprise, new home sales, new home sales, on the rise, first time for the year. 10.7% increase month of May compared to the previous month. And that number reported from the Commerce Department was a bit of a surprise. Centers for Disease Control is still searching for a case of mysterious liver illness in kids. Almost 300 cases. Unexplained hepatitis. That's 6% of the cases needed a liver transplant. 11 children died as a result. They're still, look, they're still looking for the cause of this over at CDC. And this note from Canada, a, a miner hoping to strike gold instead stumbled across a nearly intact mummified baby woolly mammoth. And some of the experts are calling it one of the most incredible mummified Ice Age animals ever discovered in the world. 35,000-year-old little baby mammoth. From South Texas, you're listening to The Dana Show. Happy Monday. Shooting down woke culture one crazy headline at a time. It's The Dana Show. I know how the law works, and it is not up to President Biden. This is a choice that has to be made by our both executive and legislative branch, but I do think that we have to recognize that there's nothing sacrosanct about nine members of the United States Supreme Court, but that is a long-term question. What we have to focus on right now is the danger that this Dobbs decision presents to women in the state of Georgia and across the country. It's political suicide for the Democrats, anybody on the left, to consider expanding the size of the judiciary, expanding the size of the high court. Yeah, that's Stacey Abrams. You recognize that voice. Nothing sacrosanct about nine members of the U.S. Supreme Court. Welcome to the Dana Show, hour number three. Um, I'm Sergio Sanchez in for my friend Dana, and she'll be, Lord willing, be back with us on Wednesday. You want to say hi, you uh, say hello via uh, Twitter, at Sergio Talk. Stick around for my conversation with Terry Beatley on the front lines, a champion of life and her conversation with Dr. Bernard Nathanson led to a book, What If We've Been Wrong? And Dr. Bernard Nathanson pretty much, he pretty much spelled out the playbook for the left from him, from himself, uh, the playbook for NARAL and the, the defense of infanticide. Like, how did, how did we get here? Yeah, that's coming up in, in just mere moments. Yeah, the, the Democrats, if they knew this was a winning issue, which would be, you know, because they they control the Senate. They control the House. They control the White House. They have the power to be political bullies and ramrod force everything down your political throat if they wanted to right now. Everything that, you know, is so sacrosanct to them, which would be abortion, legalized abortion, federalized nationwide. They could do that. Just get rid of the filibuster. Talk about another institution. Get rid of the filibuster. Just go go for broke. 50-50 plus one. 50-50 plus the tiebreaker. And you might even have some Republicans, some noodle-spine Republicans that would follow the Democrats and legalizing abortion. 
I mean, wasn't Susan Collins out there? I think she was the one bellyaching, complaining. Oh, Kavanaugh wasn't completely forthright with me. Oh, shut up. <laughs> change the size, change the makeup of the high court, since it will be a stumbling block for you from this point on. There's nothing that says it has to be nine. Let's go. Go for broke. The clock is ticking on you, lefties, commies, dims. Modern Democrats. Clock is ticking on you. You got the midterm. You're going to lose the House here pretty soon. You might even lose the Senate by two or three votes. So here's a chance. Abortion. Write it up. Force it on a, my just a slim vote. 51 to 49 or 50-50 plus a tiebreaker with Kamala Harris. Give her something to do. She ain't doing much these days. Just embarrassing herself in the administration. Change the, change the size of the court. From nine, let's see. You need you need four more to overcome. So yeah, so at least at least thirteen, right? At least thirteen justices. Got to get them on there, get them in there, approved real quick. Get all those lefties, all those commies. You know who they are. Maybe uh, round out to a cool fifteen to just in case a couple of them have a constitutional conscience. Go for fifteen. Fifty-fifty plus a tiebreaker. And go for broke. D.C. and Puerto Rico, give them statehood. They'll give you at least, for now, I think Puerto Rico might think things different in the future because they're mostly conservative and Latino. But let's just assume Puerto Rico goes all lefty and give them statehood. That's two for D.C., two for Puerto Rico, four more Democrat senators to strengthen you know, your Senate majority. And that way you can keep voting you know, just by one or two votes. In this case, it would be... 54 to 50. 54 Democrats, 50 Republicans. Go for it. You st- you've got the power. Exercise it. That's what the crazies on the left are screaming right now as the clock is ticking before the midterm. They won't do it. They won't. Because it's political suicide for them to do so. American, despite all the polling data, says 52% of Americans believe Roe v. Wade should not have been overturned. Yeah. Well, you got the polling data that's helping you out. Just if you believe the polling data, then run with it. Go for it. Go for broke. What are Let's see here. King of rock and roll and Top Gun Maverick tied for first place at the weekend box office this past week in the new Elvis biopic. Biopic Elvis and Maverick Top Gun. $30.5 million. I mentioned this because Delia and I and the kids, we, we finally went to the theater first time in a few days. We got to see Top Gun. That's a good flick. Top Gun? That's, that's some premium, you know, in a scale from, from zero to five, that's five plus right there. That's a good movie, Top Gun. Tom Cruise, in my opinion, Tom Cruise, that dude, he is an American treasure. Now that, he might know he's probably all, all crazy. And all his religious belief, and he's, but, but that dude, he is a superstar. Man, that, that dude nails it. He hits it out of park in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. I'm a, four, a generation now. Tom Cruise, absolutely awesome. That's a good flick. All right, so back to that conversation I want to share with you. And how we got into this almost 50-year mess of abortion in our country. And how this lie was perpetuated by one of the leading doctors over at NARAL. Here's my conversation with Terry Beatley. Founder and president of Hosea Initiative is Terry Beatley. Terry, what is Hosea Initiative? 
Yeah, Jose Initiative is an educational nonprofit dedicated to teaching America uh, the true conversion story of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Uh, and we do that to help heal America, which has been so broken by legalized abortion. Dr. Nathanson was the father of America's industry of abortion, who, about six months after Roe v. Wade, which he celebrated, um, he saw the baby for the first time on a brand new technology. And what most Americans don't know is the doctor who fathered all the propaganda to promote legalized abortion, he became 100% unequivocally pro-life. And ultimately, he repented for his crimes against humanity. And I made him a promise in 09 that I would teach America the strategy of how he deceived our nation and deliver his personal parting message across our land. Well, as many points as you can, visit them, the propaganda, the points, what was used to, to push this infanticide. Yeah, what he admitted to in writing and in the interview, uh, it's, it was an eight-point strategic plan uh, to deceive the, the country. And, and this is actually on video where he admits to deceiving the American public in the highest courts of our land. So what they did, um, he formed the, what everybody knows today as NARAL Pro-Choice America. It's N-A-R-A-L. Back then, it stood for the National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Laws. But it's a political action organization because what they needed was a political victory. So they hired a public relations firm uh, for seventy five hundred bucks, and they um, the the firm helped them craft a propaganda strategy, really to deceive the public in the courts. Number one, they framed the debate, and they framed it around what every American loves. We all love choice. So they simply framed this argument around choice, not the right to kill a baby in the womb. Uh, number two, they crafted the cynical slogans, my body, my choice, every baby a wanted baby, and, uh, and, and those lies are still in circulation today. The third thing they did was they used and manipulated the media. So when Dr. Nathanson, who was an OBGYN, would hold his press conferences, he was always there. You know, he was the white coat Dr. Fauci of yesteryear, right? In the, in the late 1960s and early 70s, he would stand in front of the reporters and the press with his white lab coat on, and, and he would give them lies. Uh, but, of course, he would present it as if everything he was saying was the truth. So the fourth part was, what would he do? Well, he would give them the fabricated facts. Another word for that is lies. And he would say that a million women a year are having back-alley abortions, and 5,000 to 10,000 women are dying per year in America due to complications. The problem with those numbers were they were audacious lies, which he admitted to uh, in testimony, in writing, and also in my interview. The real number uh, of illegal abortions back in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, was around 98,000 a year. Um, that's still 98,000 babies' lives being taken, but that's far from a million. And then there were never 5,000 to 10,000 women dying per year due to illegal abortion complications. The real number on the high side was around 200. On the low side, it was single digits or in the 20s, but there were never 5,000 to 10,000 women dying per year. The public relations firm also told him that he has to be able to quote polling statistics. And the reason for that is intuitively 
nobody likes to be in a minority. They want to feel like they're you know moving along with the time. So Dr. Nathanson would tell the reporters that 60% of Americans want abortion on demand legalized. The problem with that number, it was far from the truth. The real number that he told me and that he put in writing, and I'll never forget it because I asked him point blank. I said, Dr. Nathanson, where did you get the 60% number? And he held his little feeble arm up in the air and he clenched his fist and he pulled his hand down and he said, Terry, I pulled it out of thin air. Mm. He said, I just knew I had to quote above 50%. So the real number was one-tenth of 1% of Americans wanted abortion on demand legalized back in the late 60s. Amazing. Um, Yeah, and I don't know if I have time, but there are a few more more points. Yeah, Terry Beatley is with the Hosea Initiative, author of What If We've Been Wrong? That book is pretty much the playbook from Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who was co-founder of NARAL. And how did he spew lies? whole cloth create numbers, statistics, deceive the media, frame the issue of legalized baby killing in this country. Share with me some more of the of a strategy from Sure. You know, so he obviously I'm you know presenting this cuz he could it uh, in terms of he could work the media. He could turn them around so they would report near about anything that came out of his mouth cuz they trusted him just like much of the media today, trust Dr. Fauci. Then the other thing is he would repeat the lies, and the media would repeat the lies over and over and over again, very similar to the whole Russia gate thing. You know, we heard it for two years, and it began to sound like it was true. Well, the same thing with Dr. Nathanson. 5,000 to 10,000 women a year dying. You know, we have an epidemic on our hands. We must do something about this as the American public and lawmakers. And then it became um, the self-fulfilling lie because he would rationalize it, legalizing abortion. He would say, look, we just need to get it legalized so the doctors aren't felons and the women who want abortions, they're going to get an abortion whether it's legal or not. Well, that's a bald-faced lie, because we all know that when you legalize something, it drives the demand up. But because it's illegal and there are consequences to doing illegal things, I choose not to do them. But once it became legal, interestingly, it became like the self-fulfilling lie. And it took a number of years, but shortly thereafter, we were topping out at 1.5 million legal abortions per year, when before, when it was illegal, it was only around 98,000. And then the eighth point of of propaganda and deception was a four-part tactical plan called the Catholic Strategy. I probably don't have time to get into all the details, but but just the overarching thing for your listeners to know. And I encourage people to get the book, go to abortionking.com. You can read in great detail uh, everything Dr. Nathanson wanted the American public to know. So that's at abortionking.com. That's my pro-life publisher. Get it from that website, abortionking.com. But the Catholic strategy was four-part tactical plan to ensure that they could mute the voices of the Catholic bishops who were bold enough to proclaim that abortion is an intrinsic evil, and they had to make sure that enough Catholics, even if they were personally against abortion, would still vote for pro-abortion candidates. And I write in great detail about this in the book, and also there, there's an article out on 
the internet about this at Inside the Vatican. And other than reading Dr. Nathanson's own books, this is the most detailed place between that and my big book. So my job is to get the American public educated. That was with a handshake. I promised Dr. Nathanson. And when I said, Dr. Nathanson, if you have a message for America, tell me what it is. And I promise you, I'll deliver it across our country until it becomes common knowledge or until Roe v. Wade is overturned. And that's when he said, yes, continue teaching the strategy of how I deceived our nation. And then if you just, I hope all your listeners just wrap their head and contemplate what he he says next. He says, tell America that the co-founder of NARAL says to love one another. Abortion is not love. Stop the killing. The world needs more love. And I'm all about love now. The website Terry was mentioning with more information, abortionking.com. Bless you, Terry. Jake Tapper over at CNN. You remember them? Yeah, that network nobody watches anymore. He tried to get Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson, to talk some smack, say, say something bad about the U.S. And all this branches off from the Roe v. Wade thing being flushed down the toilet. That's coming up next on The Dana Show. Appreciate you tuning in. I'm Sergio Sanchez. We're broadcasting The Dana Show today from what I call her Southern Command in South Texas. You want to say hello? Uh, do the Twitters thing, as Dana says, at Sergio Talk. When you're stuck discussing politics with your friends, who's the most informed person in the group? Yep, you are. You're welcome. Listen, follow, subscribe. The Dana Show. And from her Southern Command, that's the RGV of Texas, the studios of KURV. I'm Sergio Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in to The Dana Show. Hey, go online, the Facebook, Twitter version, uh, all the connections that our producers do. Uh, they'll condense the three-hour program into a podcast. You want to say hi? It's at Sergio Talk. Lord willing, Dana should be back with us on Wednesday. So over at that once great cable news channel that's become nothing but a left-wing rag and a sounding board of late, the CNN, and Jake, I lovingly refer to Jake, the snake tapper. He was actually being a weasel. He, he tried to get Boris Johnson to talk bad about the U.S. He didn't take the bait. Boris Johnson refused to bash America. So Jake, the snake Tapper says, when I talk to friends overseas, people express concern about the United States. They're worried that democracy is on life support in the U.S. Are you worried at all? Asked Jake Tapper. Boris Johnson said, no, immediately. You're not, said Tapper. I want to say this to the people of the United States. I'm not. And Boris Johnson went on to say, the United States, for me, it remains a shining city on a hill. Boom! Thank you, Boris. All right. Well, that's it for today's program. You want to say hello? It's at Sergio Talk. This is The Dana Show.
Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn joins me to discuss her efforts to protect our military from the left's woke agenda and the effort to separate parents from children. I'm Sarah Carter on the latest Sarah Carter Show. Senator Blackburn also explains how our skyrocketing energy costs could soon lead to food shortages, all because President Biden refuses to acknowledge reality. Join us. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.